Okay, so next one, um, a bachelor party. Ooh, <laughs> go with us, go with a stayer because you'll last. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, volume on that one. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's good I like logic. It. I love the logic. Yep. Here. It's the quality and the quantity simultaneously on this one. <laughs> yeah. G'day and welcome to the Engineering Dads podcast. I'm here with Sean and Paddy. How are we doing today, lads? Oh, mate, pretty good because we just talked about renewables, algae, which are two things we love about, and Paddy. Beer. Beer. Yeah. And cider. Yeah. And, 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 and gin. And gin and whiskey. Yeah. And all the good stuff. And that was with Richard from Young Henry's, one of the co-founders. So let's just get straight into straight it. Straight into it, yeah. Rich, if you want to give us a bit of an introduction of yourself and I guess your role in Young Henry's and, you know, where everything sort of started um, as an elevator pitch. Yeah, sure. So, um, yes, my name's Richard Adamson. I'm one of the founders of Young Henry's Brewing. Uh, so, we started about 10 years ago. I've uh, been involved in the beer games. We're the longest thing I've done, actually. So, I've, I've, um, I've started in... Um, in music, I was playing in bands um, coming out of, out of high school. I studied politics and psychology at university because oh. it sounded like something interesting to do. I wasn't really <laughs> even thinking of, of, of a job. I, I was kind of set. I was going to be playing you know, in bands for the rest of my life, so I wasn't really, really doing anything career-orientated. Um, and then, obviously, you know, music game is a pretty hard one, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I tr- also tried music. <laughs> Didn't go too well as well before doing yeah. this whole thing. No. What, what was your band called? I played for a guy called Hugh Wilson who still um, still plays around. Um, and yeah, actually, like most of the guys, like um, are still in the industry. So the guitarist is um, like the session guy for who plays on the voice as well, and he's oh, wow. really in demand. And the other other guys. Um, became a sound engineer and he tours the world doing that um he still sings and he does a lot of jingle work as well um <laughs> puts out records and uh so he's still he got a successful career anyway i got into it after that because um i could i could make computers work when and there was a, a new thing called the internet which um <laughs> gonna be fun so um i was getting people on the internet for um telstra for for a few years and then got into cryptography um, way before it was cool. Trendsetter, um, <laughs> Richard. Yeah, and then I, I went through that whole dot-com boom and bust and um, was a was an optioneer there for a while um, and um, really kind of just lost the passion for it after after a few years and then got into, into brewing and I started Barons Brewing um, and then Young Henry's after that. So it's we celebrate our, our tenth year um, just this year, um, nice. and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And where did the name Young Henry's come from, by the way? So it's named after my son Henry, who's now fourteen. Um, but oh, great! Right. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. So when we started um, discussing, started like doing our own brewery, we were kind of knocking around um, cafes and stuff like, you know, bringing laptops and doing spreadsheets and that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I was, I had, I had Henry most of the time, my wife was working, so I'd had him uh, with me 
and the guys would ask guys, oh, young Henry coming to the meeting because they kind of oh right push nice. the push the pram in around the table. <laughs> he was a third shareholder. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we were coming up, trying to come up with a name, and um, Oscar wrote it down as Young Henry's as a placeholder. You know, we're going to come up with a better name later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, nah, so the ultimate question is Has Young Henry had a Young Henry? He's, he's too young. Yeah, that's a good that's a good answer. Yeah, Richard, yeah. Yeah. No, no naughty boys here. Rich, I often talk to people who work at craft breweries, and I the question I ask is, what was the first brewing kit you used? Because sometimes it's it's the Cooper's one from Woolworths, but just out of curiosity, what was the first brewing kit you ever you ever used for your first brew? If you can remember that far yeah, back. Yeah, so that, that's a great question. So there was a, a local home brew store in Ingadine. So I, I, I lived in Warrenal Heights near Ingadine and it was near the train station and I popped in to buy just like a Cooper's kit or something mm. and the guy was an old curmudgeon sort of dude that, you know, that in most homebrew shops, he's like, no, you don't need that. So he just sold <laughs> mob extracts and then he would pour the hops in depending on how bitter you want it and he just said, go and boil that up, at, you know, add water, boil it up and that's your, that's your brew. And you know, give you a packet of yeast, and away you go. So that was it. It was. It wasn't even an, a, a branded tin. It was. It was a called extract with hops. Was it uh, good beer though? That's the real question. It well, it, it turned out well enough to go again. I guess so. Yeah, you know, perfect was, answer. I suppose that's where you got. That. I've heard you quote uh, brewing beers like bucket chemistry because I, my trade is a chemical engineer and, you know, I've done a lot of bucket chemistry in my life and, you know, hearing what you just said now really, yeah. <laughs> you know, throwing things into a fermenter, hope, setting it at a certain temperature and hoping for the best and, you know, it's an iterative process, isn't it? Yeah. Well, started started with that malt extract and then my, bro- my brother-in-law got into it as well and then he convinced me to try all grain brewing and that was a big step up and mm. it wasn't like the amount of information that's available now like you go on the internet and you could get you could get instruction on doing home brews pretty quickly and there's not a lot of it's pretty pretty factual it's not a lot of folklore around mm. which yep. is good <laughs> but like this he had a handwritten thing that he copied from somebody you know with a with a recipe on the back of like we need to get it to 66 degrees and yeah, so that was it. Was kind of like all this folk knowledge you kind of be gathering, you know. Um, was super easy now. Like you just go online, you'll you'll get an education real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm. Um, so we'll we'll kind of like pivot into some of the topics that we want to go to, and I, I guess we start with the the main one is it's pretty clear that Young Henry's has this really good ethos and mindset when it comes to sustain, sustainability. Where did that derive from? I think it's just um, just giving a shit, really. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of it, really. It's yeah. like, well, if, you know, I think at the time we're not we weren't seeing much leadership mm. um, in terms of sustainability from you know from the from the politicians. It's been it's been a pretty desperate time for Australia. I think bouncing around with no real kind of policy, no energy policy. Mm. You know, I think we've only just just this week, I think we signed up, you know, the, the three major gas suppliers to actually have a reserve gas on the East Coast. Mm. Um, so it, it's really kind of 
this having no direction has really set us back. So it was like, okay, what can we, what can we do? Um, and it started with really basic things like we, we did a returnable two liter growler bottle um, as our first form of packaging. So, yeah. you know, rather than looking at recycling, we're looking at reuse. Um, and just that, you know, having that community of once, once you kind of bought in and you've got your bottle, it kind of makes sense to bring it back and refill it. Um, so it was kind of that closed loop that we're looking, looking at as well. Mm. Um, and then we, we moved to having a, um, well, we, we, we had a very basic brew kit, but when we moved, uh, stepped up to the, the 20 hex system that we have now in, in Newtown, we went for a very high efficiency brew house that was using a mash filter. So it was kind of really big, big brewery tech on a small scale. Mm. Um, so that really increased our efficiency, reduced the amount of water we're using, um, less grain, um, less energy. Um, so that was, that was a good step forward. We got approached by Pingala um, very early in the, in the piece and that's a community um, solar project. Mm. So, they were looking for for people to get involved that would be you know users of of the energy um, and would have the roof space and breweries are great for um, using renewable energy in terms of solar because you're mm. going to be using a lot of the energy with the time of generation as well so you know unlike households that you probably need a battery solution because you you know you're home in the evening and that's what kind of your peak times are in the morning and evening when the sun's already not shining yeah exactly breweries. Yeah, breweries are operating when the when the sun is shining. So, um, as a as a pretty energy intensive business as well. So, the great thing about Pingala is it allows people to get involved with um, the generation of solar electricity that maybe don't um, necessarily have the access. Mm. Whether whether they're in a block of flats or they're renting or something like that, this way they could buy in and. Um, we're giving them return on their money as well. So I think it's around 6%, um, which is better than a lot of the banks are doing at the moment. So um, even with inflation. So um, that's, uh, um, that's a great thing for us. And we just, we just lease it from them mm. um, and get the benefit of, of the cheap electricity at the same time. And it's, it's so, yeah. And one of the things you mentioned there was like leadership in this area. And um, something that really drew my attention to Young Henry's uh, a few years back was you guys signing up for the um, a solar PPA agreement back in like 2019 or 2020. And at yeah. the time, it was either really big companies or no one. And like, how difficult was it to get that solar PPA? It was, um, well, very lucky that it was, uh, um, it was a project that was being led by the Australian Hotels Association mm. um, in New South Wales, the New South Wales branch, I think, um, got approached to do it and they put all the they put all their members on and they were looking for um more people to come on board to make it more attractive i think mm. so again it's because of our time of use right yeah. because hotels they're going to be doing, like burning most of their electricity in the evenings as well so time of use really helped i think smooth it out mm. at the same time so it was a really good fit for us yeah. Yeah. Because I'm definitely seeing a lot of movement now in the purchase price agreement, that agreement where you kind of bank with a generator to get renewables online. Um, do you think it was harder back then or harder now? I feel like it's, you guys have kind of led that way and kind of broken down that path. 
I think it just makes a lot more sense now. Mm. Yeah, like you know, particularly with the way the energy prices are going, um, it it looks like a real genius move. <laughs> <laughs> you come in at the perfect time. Yeah, just... yeah, totally. It's um, it's you know, I, I, there was it was met with a lot of skepticism from my finance guys. They're like, no, nah, it can't be right. And Surely, I was like, yeah. Well, that's that's the number they're saying. So let's just sign it up and see how we go. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, yum, yum, yum. I just love seeing that kind of stuff, especially at such a new age. Yeah. On the topic of, you mentioned like beer brewing is a very energy intensive process. And, you know, I believe with craft brewing, and correct me if I'm wrong, you sort of have to maintain those sort of lower temperatures during during a craft brew. Would you say it's it's more intense in Australia being typically a, a hot country where you've got to maintain those low, low temperatures. So therefore you're using more energy to, to meet that, that low temperature or are there other parts in the process where you know, you'd say it's, it's really digging into your pocket in terms of our energy cost and energy yeah. intensity. Look, refrigeration is a big, is a big mm-hmm. uh, cost. So that's, a, that's certainly um, probably what's upping our, um, you know, our use of electricity. Uh, I guess on the flip side, if you're in a colder climate, you're going to have to um, burn more to get your boil up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... I think the refrigeration costs are probably going to be where it really kind of starts to peak out, particularly in summer. Um, if you've got an average temperature in in the 30s, getting something down to two degrees is going to kind of yeah burn a bit of electric, burn a bit of electricity there for sure. Oh, absolutely. So some of your brews are as cold as two degrees. Well, we yeah. When once you once you've done once you've sort of done ferment, we're we're crash cooling it down to two degrees to precipitate the yeast out. So, colder, the colder temperature helps the yeast to flocculate and fall out of solution, mm. and then you need that temperature to be able to gas the beer up as well to get the carbon yep. carbonation in there. So, carbonation is a factor of temperature and pressure. Right. Fair enough. So, on the topic of carbonation, I think the one of the main reasons why we're here and what we're really interested about is um, the topic of algae. Now, I've <laughs> done a lot of research on algae in the past and generally we refer to it as, as a harmful and nuisance uh, substance. And we usually don't like algae, but even recently in one of our podcasts, mm. we've talked about how algae can be used as a feedstock into concrete. It's got many benefits in producing potentially green hydrogen in the future. And with the Young Henry's project to use for absorbing CO2 to produce oxygen, which at first glance is, is amazing. So, I, I suppose at first glance, we just want to know what, where that project came from, what it's about, and sort of where it's, where it's going. Mm. It's interesting you say a nuisance, right? Because um, <laughs> I've been working with the engineers at, at UTS on some projects, and they said, man, like algae, like, you know, it just turns up in your pool when you don't want it. But then trying to, when you're actually trying to grow it properly, it's a real pain in the ass for them. <laughs> <laughs> All the biologists are like, no, it's easy to grow. But the engineers are like, no, it's not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is that is literally engineering 101. Scienti- scientists will have like an idea of what will work and engineers are like, no. oh, okay. Like it's, you've, <laughs> made it, you've made it in a lab. You want us to do it in a, yeah, a 500 yeah. meter square yeah. factory. We need uh, 100 kilos of this by <laughs> tomorrow. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, so we, we were lucky enough to meet the, um, some of the team from the climate change cluster at UTS, I think just out. Um, it was, I can't even remember what the event was now, but they said, hey, do you want to come down and see what we're doing? We're looking for industry partners to kind of get involved with research. Mm. And uh, I took some of the brewers down and we had a wander around and checked out what they were doing. 
And there's a lot of things that kind of struck me as really interesting about algae. And there was some, a lot of the language that they were using had sounded very similar to what we talk about in the, in the brewing game as mm. well. So, um, it, it felt like algae was almost the, the opposite to yeast in many ways in terms of what it does. So, you know, like when we, when you add yeast to beer, it's, it's, um, it takes in oxygen when it starts mm. to, um, when it needs to grow and then it starts to consuming, um, sugar, converting that to alcohol and, um, CO2 is the output. And then as it, you know, as it's doing its process too, it, it, turns the environment more acidic, so it turns the beer, the pH of the beer goes down. And when they grow um, grow algae, the pH goes up because it's producing oxygen. Right. So they actually have to, well, they, they use the word sparge, which is, which is a term that we use in, in brewing, which is washing more water through the grain to wash off the, the sugar and the color and all the flavor, et cetera. But they would sparge with CO2 to bring the, knock out the oxygen, bring the pH down and feed the algae um, the CO2 right. it needed to grow, right? So in photosynthesis, it's, it's, it's basically taking in sunlight and CO2, producing sugar, so it's growing, yeah, and knocking out its uh, oxygen. And I was like, wow, that's kind of really fascinating. Um, I just wondered if there was a way that we could get those two things in balance. So, you know, yeast was doing its work in the brewery, and then you'd use that CO2 then to grow the algae. And yeah. I kind of, you know, they, 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 we went away from that meeting and they said, well, is, is there anything that we can help you with? And I was like, I don't know, let me, let me go think, let me think about it. And I was like, well, that yep. could be something. But then I was like, well, what are you going to do with the algae? Like, can you go, mm. you've grown all this algae, what do you do with it? <laughs> um, and they've got, there's a lot of uses for it. They're, they're researching, like, um, it as a replacement for fibers, for, Making mm-hmm. clothes, um, it seems to be a, a, a pretty amazing substrate for working pharmaceuticals. And that's that's obviously really high value. Um, people are looking at, at it for um, food as well. So um, you know, if you've got the trying to solve the world's food shortage problem, is algae part of that solution? Mm. I know that they're using algae in some. You know some of the uh, meat substitute stuff as well. Um, oh, cool! But we, you know, we have a lot of um, a bi- another byproduct already, which is the spent grain from the brewing process that goes out to farms and um, it goes out to cattle farms. Yeah, you know, actually kept one of the local farmers um, going during the drought because he had a you know regular food supply when there was no grass growing. Um, and then I remember reading about the red asparagopsis seaweed um, right. that CSIRS has been researching that reduces methagenesis mm. when fed to cattle. So it was only 1% of feed as a, as a supplement was going, you know, was, was this red aspar- asparagopsis was reducing methagenesis in cattle by 80%. It was Jesus. just just huge right and then if you look around the world and you see how much agriculture was contributing to greenhouse gas emissions it's mm. huge methane i think is around 30 times what i you know what co2 yeah. is yeah. 25 so 30 impact times, yeah. On, yeah you know the greenhouse gas warming so I, I went back to them i said look does microalgae can microalgae do the same thing as this red asparagopsis and they're like yeah, we think so. <laughs> but 
let's go and check it out. So, <laughs> so you spurred this entire thing on. Yeah, so we then, then I had to go back to the company and convince them to fork out for research, right? So there was a match grant, so the federal government matched half of it, but I think it was like, I think it was, I was like, I need $80,000 to do this research into algae oh, and it might not come to anything at all. Mm. And they're like, well, what's it going to do? And I was like, well, this is what I think it can do. And that's what the, this is what the scientists think it can do. What do you think? And um, so he goes, well, maybe we can just take it out of the marketing budget and not the marketing team were very happy about it. <laughs> As you would expect, yeah. That'd be yeah. fine. So that's yeah. be, you know, he said, oh, you know, I'm sure you can get some press out of this, so maybe that's what you do. I was like, okay. So we, we did that, and that was really just a proof of concept. Can we grow algae in a brewing environment and can it survive? Mm. And can we find some algae strains that can... Um, survive in a high CO2 environment because you think, yeah, yeah, just give it heaps of CO2, but it's not necessarily the case, right? It's, it's balance, right? So it's yep. just going to go, man, that's way too toxic and it's just not going not gonna to grow at all. So we found quite a few species that not only could survive but thrived in it and they were growing twice as quick. So that was kind of cool. So, okay. And then it's the, the job was then, okay, can it tick that box and then can it also do the job we need to do when it's fed as a feed supplement. So that's kind of where we're at the moment. We've got quite a few candidates that seem to be doing the job on that on that front as well. Yeah. Uh, we want to make sure it's it's digestible and it's palatable for the cattle to eat. Um, we have found that it's a different metabolic pathway than the um, redisparagopsis, which relies on bromoform hmm. um, to knock out some of the um, microflora in the cow's rumen that is the methane producing um, bacteria ours goes down a different pathway though this is more around kind of lipid action that changes the microflora as well it may not be quite as harsh as the bromoforum and we probably won't get the 80% but we're aiming for yeah. you know, 25 to 30 um, and it could even be used in, in conjunction with red asparagopsis or, or, or not so I think the, the advantage that we have is that we we can grow this algae anywhere. So if you have a any mm -hmm. CO2 emitting industry, we can we can put some bioreactors there and grow the algae. With spread asparagopsis, you're going to need to take up a fair bit of foreshore. Mm -hmm. You know, to be able to grow it, you're introducing a monoculture in a, into a wild environment, which is kind of tricky as well. Yeah, because um, you're going to cause issues with you know. Like any monoculture, monoculture growing, you know, you're always going to have environmental issues with pests and changing the changing environment as well. So, are you so, finding? Um, are you finding with maintaining the conditions for the bioreactor? Because obviously, with with any biological process, it's got to be get within a strict temperature and pH range. Is it as much of a pain in the ass as fermentation? It's not actually. So oh, that's good. A bit more temperatures um, tolerant than yeast, which is good. But also, I guess with yeast, it, like technically, it's kind of kind of going to be able to survive in high temperatures, right? But the beer's not going to taste any good. Um, <laughs> yep. So that's that's our main goal is to get you know controlled temperatures so we get controlled results in terms of the flavour of the beer. I don't think the algae is going to taste different if it's like it, you know, yeah, sixteen degrees or twenty degrees. It might just grow a little bit quicker. Mm. Um, so not so much. Um, 
we've had we've had a couple go bad when it's it's just again oh man that's brown it's not green <laughs> yeah <laughs> these big green vats uh, yeah overall, overall we've done we've done pretty well and it's kind of as I said some of the the skills we have in being good yeast husbands yeah. I guess has translated into growing algae as well so maintaining that temperature maintaining cleanliness giving it a good good clean source of CO2. Yeah. Um, is kind of where it's at. Well, this is wild to me because, like, the government spent hundreds of million dollars in carbon capture use and storage for gas plants. <laughs> Here you are with 80 grand with probably the first operative carbon capture storage system in Australia. That, like, the efficiency there just blows my mind. That is really good. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's, that's a really good point. Like, it's, you know, it's let's just use what's, in, what, what, what's out there in nature to do these yeah. jobs, right? So... Yeah, it's a living thing. Let's put it to work for us. And, and if we have an added benefit, let's let's choose the ones that are going to give give us an added benefit. It doesn't yeah. have to be this um, this feed supplement for cattle, but we just think that in the long run, that's really going to help us get to a, a net negative or net zero, hopefully net negative. Yeah, place yeah, that'd be cool. In terms of our carbon footprint, and rather than pay for offsets, we can kind of have this inset carbon reduction mm. program um and then roll it out to other breweries and really have an impact it's yeah really and uh, so like with where you have now i believe it was like a few different gr- big green vats how big could this theoretically big be for your brewery and, and as i guess the beer manufacturing or industry in the whole australia how big could we see this go theoretically yeah, look, you know once we we will look moving to animal testing next year so we'll mm. have the the candidates that we've been testing in the lab move through it goes to lambs first and then it goes to um beef cattle and dairy cattle after that lambs because they just eat, eat less right because um yeah they're, they're um they're much more the rumic animal so we don't have to produce as much and it's kind of a, a a known pathway to through this sort of rumic animal testing as well um is it dangerous yeah, for the animals we, Sorry, what's that? Would it be dangerous at all for testing the animals, or no? Well, we we know it's we know it's fine for them to eat it. What we want to make sure is that number one, it does what we build, mm. what it does in the lab, so it doesn't reduce methogenesis. Uh, yeah, and, mm. and, and what are the side effects going to be? We need to look at that too. If we're talking about um, both dairy and beef cattle, we can't have a negative impact on the appearance of the meat or the flavor of the meat and mm. we definitely can't have an impact on the flavor of the milk yeah so yeah that'll be that'll that'll be a big turn off um just a little it's interesting you're looking at the looking at the red asparagopsis projects um sea forest the so that the one that's based on bromoform they are really selling that to the cattle industry as a feed supplement that makes or that helps the cattle put on weight quicker. If you think about right. any any waste in the system, if, you, if 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 the feed is turning into methane and being burped out, that's yeah. a waste of food source. So they're saying that with this feed supplement, they can in, increase weight 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 gain from the cattle feed by fifteen percent. Jeez. So they're not only selling it on an environmental. No. Like for them, their value is oh, we can get beef faster. When realistically, yeah. they it's the methane production which is what 
the world the should be picture, targeting. Yeah. Jeez, I did not even realize that. That's uh, terrifying. And, and so you mentioned earlier that this is just a good opportunity for not just the the beer brewing industry, but any industry that wants to reduce their CO2 footprint. And Sean touched on scaling this up. Now, I see this yeah. as a way to reduce CO2 footprint, but also help introduce oxygen into a process, right? Because we have a lot of industries that use aeration and oxygen agent, and they use very energy inefficient blowers to do so. But I suppose from a young Henry's and uh, a beer brewing industry point of view, could the oxygen that's produced from the algae hypothetically be used for aeration of yeast that you need to maintain that sort of 8 to 12 I suppose milligrams per liter of, of water of oxygen requirement could this potentially be used for oxygen feedstocks for both the beer brewing industry and other industries it it, it could it's um well i guess we've we've had to learn a lot through in this process so i've learned i've learned more about the rubic animals and microflora <laughs> of rumen than i ever thought i was going to as a brewer um where i guess what's probably going to turn you guys on more is probably the tech around the carbon captures <laughs> oh, yeah. right and <laughs> and capturing the oxygen and then reusing that so that that technology i think we're going to have to really get ahead of but fortunately for us you know i don't think we're going to go about reinventing the wheel about carbon capture no. um reuse and storage because there's already plenty of people doing that in the brewing game as it stands so mm. it, it's about buying a commercial off the shelf system that does that and we've seen that you know i think only up only until a couple of years ago the payback on those systems meant that it was only really big for, for big breweries um, but there is now small players that have made it much more accessible like we're mm. looking at hopefully getting over a, um, a system from earthly labs in the next month um that it's the payback on that is it's really only um, 18 months in terms wow, of... Wow, jeez, that is nothing. On, yeah, the saving on the carbon, um, on the CO2 that we buy in at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, at the moment, you know, without a system that captures carbon capture storage system, you, you're venting all that CO2 that you have from fermentation to atmosphere. Mm. And then you're buying in CO2 to use in your brewery and gas up the beer, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's kind of a double whammy in double some cases. Sword, yeah. and we probably spend just at the, the little brewery in Newtown alone we probably spend like 90 grand a year on CO2 so Jesus yeah yeah. so there's a there's an immediate saving there if we can you know do that and then with the we actually have excess CO2 because yeah. you know if we have a closed loop gassing the beer up at 5 grams per um, per litre of beer means we will have excess CO2 which we can then feed into these bioreactors yeah, but I, I, I agree with you on that. That's It's kind of an interesting perspective if we go, well, who are the biggest CO2 emitters, you know, in terms of industry? Brewing's, I think for us it's been, maybe it works because we have a relationship with farmers already that mm. we're spending spent mm. grain too, and we're, we're pro we've probably got the skill set to manage algae as well, being, yeah. being, um, being brewers. But other industries, maybe it is around, you know, um, natural gas refining or yeah, because like fermentation, yeah. it's it's one of obviously there's no good releasing of CO two, but it's one of the better industries in terms of sustainability because it's coming from plant sources, whereas a natural gas reforming, it's not, it's coming from non renewable sources, so the CO two is more pollutive to the atmosphere because you can't capture that, you can't absorb it back in. 
So it's it's not yeah. you haven't just developed carbon capture and storage. It's like carbon capture and storage plus usage oxygen yeah. generation. Yeah. It's uh not reinventing the wheel, but adding to what's already been done and making it yeah. making it better. Which is like you said, what turned us on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well, it's um you're right because it is young carbon essentially that we're we're using for in brewing because it's it's the carbon that's been captured by the mm. barley plant um, and. 50% of it, I think, goes out as CO2. The rest goes into carbohydrate, which we, you know, which we break down into sugar and turn into alcohol. So, um, yeah, relatively young. But if we've got something from a, as you said, from a, um, a fossil fuel source, um, it's really down to then what what we use the algae for. And I think there's, you know, outside of what we're doing, there's a there's a whole bunch of other uses too. Um, and it, it, again, I think. Fermentation is just a really interesting space at the moment um, in general. Like I'm, I've been talking to people about what's happening with um, either selectively bred yeast or genetically modified yeast and what it can do is is just fascinating. You know, mm. we could be, be able to turn a carbohydrate source into milk and bypass the cows completely. Jesus. Um, yeah, from fermentation. There's, right. there's, um, so much more ethical too. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's there's you know that it could be sources of, of prote- other sources of protein as well. I heard of one that was um, one yeast that was producing CBD. Um, oh right! Wow. Wait, what CBD? Yeah. Uh, it's it comes from yeah cannabis. It's like what people like cancer patients take. People with uh, like just it, it doesn't cure, but it helps a lot of sicknesses and oh, okay. stuff. It's, yeah. Yeah. So like, so medical marijuana basically. <laughs> similar, uh, similar. Uh, without the THC, yeah. Without the stuff that okay. makes you all, yeah. All the, high. Without the loopy, without the loopy stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah. Just the good stuff. So, I mean, like uh, in terms of the um, brewing process, we actually have a game for you, Richard. Um, Patty, would you like to uh, introduce the game for our guest? Sure thing. Yeah. So um, basically, we because we believe as the founder of. Young Henry's obviously you're a beer connoisseur. You've been to a lot of events. You met a lot of people because of the the famous uh, drinks that you have. We're all drinking one right now. If yeah, you, I'm uh, all, so I'm a natural uh, lager man myself. Close. Yeah, I got a uh, I got the hazy pale ale. Different one each. I noticed that. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. uh before before we start the game, I do want to have ask you actually a question about like the flavors of all the ciders and gins and um and beers that you make. Like, is there like what? What are your inspirations for the flavors? Like, do you do some trials and stuff? And has there been some flavors that you're like, "This is shit." We're not. <laughs> we're, we're chuck it in the bin. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> We've um, we were we were early in the game of kombucha. We tried to do a kombucha beer, and <gasps> that was that was very polarizing. Um, <laughs> very so, brave. Um, it was. I think there was more thumbs downs than thumbs up, but the people that gave a thumbs up were really into it. Which was, <laughs> And I, it was actually something that I didn't like in the end, so that was a, that was a, a failure. Um, we haven't had too many, though. We've had more hits than misses, I think. That's a good thing. In terms yeah. of experimenting with flavors. Like in our first year, I think we knocked out 25 different beers. Jeez. Um, oh, really? You know, that, that kind of rapid release of, of limited releases has probably slowed down a little bit just because the, the amount we have to make mm. and the scale of it. Um, mm. But we have, yeah, the hazy beer is a is a new one to the core range. Um, that came off the back of the limited release. 
which was um, <laughs> we did with uh, Rolling Stone um, a couple of years oh, ago, wow. Rolling Stone magazine. Jeez. Um, and that, people just kept on asking for that back. So that's a that's a modified version of the Rolling Stone beer. We kind of changed that. Yeah. Um, nice. And our uh, that's that's the one beer we have that doesn't feature any Australian hops, as it turns out. Oh, that's interesting. Awesome. Really, the hazy yeah. pale ale. Yeah. Oh, okay. Whereas everything else has got Australian hops in it. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm drinking the so, foreigner. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's but, but it's it's a uh, it's I love that beer. I've been really enjoying drinking it. Um, the the stale I think you got there was um, that was a request from um, the sales team that said, "Can we do a mid strength and make it taste good?" Um, and we're like, "I don't know if you can." But <laughs> well, James, what's your verdict? So that, that beer actually has the most hops of all the beers that we make. Is there really? Is, Except for the uh, IPA. Is is uh, Galaxy one of the more hops in? Is Galaxy one of the hops in this beer? Uh no, it's oh, okay. uh, Eclipse. Eclipse, okay. which is the Australian one. Because um, my yeah, my, so. my favorite hops to brew is definitely Galaxy. I've done it done three brews with hops, uh Galaxy <laughs> hops before. Definitely gives yeah, you that yeah. nice fruity sort of flavour. Galaxy's in Newtown. So that's Newtown's mm. big secret galaxy topaz. Uh-huh. And then you got the Lager, I think, which is the first, yeah. especially the first beer we made. That's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First beer we made. Now, not much, I was going to say not much has changed in that other than the hops because the hops that we, we had three hops in it when we first started. And then right. the hop grower just killed each one <laughs> really <laughs> i'm not gonna play that one again it's too agronomic performance too low oh jeez. Like, oh man we're down to two and there's like yeah sorry one of those that one's going as well oh and then we're gosh. down to one that was called summer and um yeah it's only when i went out to the farm and when it hot during the harvest time and saw it the actual cones were like hot cones were like half the size of the galaxy one jeez <laughs> And they're like, Rich, this is going to go as well. I'm like, no. Uh, <laughs> you're losing all your secret ingredients. So, we had to do a trial and change the hops on that one a couple yeah. of years ago. And um, we did, like, we got some really good advice from the hop producer as well on which ones to go with. And mm. I, it, the, the difference was so subtle. I don't think anyone really noticed. So I was really, oh, I was really pleased about that. Yeah, I remember I was uh, back at uni, I was doing this course and I had to build a project for uh, an urban farm. So we were assigned to Camberdown Commons and I was in this little like farm area and I was mounting this like weather station in like six hours of building something. And there's another group there and they're doing this like uh, like a feedstock thing. So they're getting hops from a local brewery and I was like, oh, interesting. And they're putting it in to make fertilizer. And at the end they're talking about, oh, it's this young Henry's group. Um, they actually have them on tap and that's when I had my first like natural lager and maybe it was just because it was a good beer maybe because it was like seven hours in the sun Mm. but that like flavor stuck with me (laughs) for like four years I love I love that little um commons flying places yeah restaurant's fantastic and we we did a we did a beer with them um when they first started too we were using some of the pumpkins that they grew oh right did a a little pumpkin ale so that was that was a lot of fun too yeah, no, it's, it's definitely really good. We'll throw it to the game. All right, let's do it the game then. Okay, so uh, I didn't name this game, by the way. That was, this was Sean. So the, <laughs> the name of the game is Match That Bevent. So basically, okay. we want your opinion on what we're going to name. We're going to throw an event at you, 
And what you're going to do is name the new uh, the uh, the young Henry beer that you think should be the exclusive beer for that event or drink okay. or cider or whatever. Cool. Okay, so the first one will be watching the footy. Watching the footy, that's Newtowner. Newtowner? Yeah, yeah, classic, good classic. Call, Re- reason behind it, just like, is it it's the every drink? Yeah, Newtown uh, New Jets, you know. Footy, oh. footy team. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. It does seem to be the beer that's drunk in by by the jug full in most parts of football. footballs. So, yeah. So, yep. Well, yeah. you're not wrong there. Okay. So, next one um, a bachelor party. Ooh. <laughs> go with a, a stayer because you'll last. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Volume on that one. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's good I like logic. It. I love the logic. Yep. Here. It's the quality and the quantity simultaneously on this one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, next one is a gender reveal party. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Gin and tonic? I think I'll go the gin and tonic cans, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because like that's a that. new one, the yeah. new distillery, right? Yeah. So, that to me, that feels. Um, sort of binary, like a nice sort of, yeah. you know, non-gender Pacific binary one, binary yeah. drink that yeah. mm. you can go either way. It, yeah. it, mat- it matches the vibe of the, of the event, I reckon. Is it? Yeah. So, and it could be anything. That's right. Yeah, and it's yeah. a little probably a little bit classier, maybe. You know, <laughs> yeah, everyone's survive. in this. Everyone's in yeah. this. All right. Um, last one, a wedding. Ooh, a wedding. Um, I think that's the time of celebration. I'll probably go the lager actually, because mm, it's yep. got a broad appeal. Yeah, and yeah, it's not. It's a good thirst quencher as well. And oh. one of those, yeah. one of those, you know, weddings. I think are, you know, you, you're in a suit. You're, you're a bit hot because mm. you're not. You know, certainly in summer, and you, why am I wearing a suit in summer? It's just kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's good logic. Yeah. yeah. Well, a good stabilizing down. Well, um, I think on that note, this has been a really, really good podcast. Um, uh, from the Engineering Dads, Richard, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, and cheers, mate. I really appreciate you spending the time uh, talking about Young Henry's and some of the stuff that you, you as a team are doing. It's, it just sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. No worries, Richard. Good. Thanks for listening. To see more Engineering Dads content like this, head to our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and I'll link below to see our other projects. Have a good one.